Hello there, I'm Don Shaline. I am filling in today for Matt Townsend. I want to know something. Did you catch the debate last night? Most people did. I did. Well, I want to tell you what. On today's show, we are focusing less on what Barack Obama and Mitt Romney said and more on how they said it. That's right. We're going to Debates Motel. Okay, we're not going there. But we are going to talk about how the debates went next on The Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. FBI agents have arrested a Bangladesh national in connection with a a plot to detonate a 1,000-pound bomb in the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. The man was arrested this morning in Lower Manhattan on terrorism charges, according to a source familiar with the situation. The same source, who has thus far remained anonymous, assured the New York media that the public was never in danger due to this attempted bomb plot. The bank is located in Manhattan's financial district. The 14-year-old Pakistani girl who was shot in the head by a Taliban gunman for criticizing the extreme Islamist group has come out of her coma. Doctors say Malala Yousafzai is not yet fully conscious, but does seem to have feeling in all of her limbs and will likely recover without any permanent brain damage. She is receiving treatment from top combat injury doctors in the United Kingdom's military hospital. It would likely take months of treatment and rehabilitation before she fully recovers, but she has received support for her cause and wishes for recovery from around the world. Trying to follow up his much more energized debate performance from last night, President Barack Obama is back on the campaign trail targeting women voters. Harping on a comment made last night by Mitt Romney that he had whole binders of women to look through when trying to fill cabinet positions, the president addressed a campaign rally audience saying we don't need a bunch of binders to find talented young women to fill today's job needs. The president also attacked Romney for his plans to cut Planned Parenthood funding, which is at the forefront of the women's health debate. World-famous cyclist Lance Armstrong has stepped down as the head of the Live Strong charity, which he founded. In a statement, he said he is trying to distance the cancer patient support organization from any negative fallout due to the doping controversy surrounding his cycling career. At the same time, Nike has announced they have dropped Armstrong as one of their sponsored athletes. The company cited mounting evidence that he took part in the performance in performance-enhancing drugs during his successful career as the motivation behind their decision. The U.S. Anti-Doping Agency published a 1,000-page report of evidence against Armstrong last week, suggesting he was the ringleader of one of the most sophisticated doping rings the sports world has ever seen. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon to you. I'm Don Shaline in for Matt Townsend. It is Wednesday afternoon on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. It's a pleasure to be here with this Matt Townsend afternoon team. I, I mean, I'm honored to be in the room with these guys that come up with all these uh, great ways to talk about relationships and ways to get through life. And I hope that I totally don't mess this up for Matt, that he'll you know come back and find the place in shambles. But... We're going to have fun anyway because we're talking debates, and debates are such 
joyous occasions. They are such a, a reason for just having a great time and, and a lot of brotherly love and compassion towards each Oh, no, wait. No, that's that's something else, isn't it? Not at all debates. I more associate what I eat with. Um, you know, sorry, I've got the wrong uh, mic You know, on here. Uh, I, sir, uh, uh, Governor, if you could come over there to the mic, please, and, and well, talk into that mic. Associate more what I'm eating while I watch the debate. Is that right? So I think last week in the vice presidential debate, I went to the grocery store, got some fried chicken. And okay, so yeah, so the presidential is, was fried I chicken debate. debates. <laughs> Food while you while you watch and listen to debates, but we're going to talk a little bit about the actual debate process. Uh, we'll be getting to that a little bit later, but I, I think what we want to uh, want to discuss here is is has it become has it gotten out of hand? Has it totally gone beyond the the exchange of ideas and and fleshing out an idea, being able to get to the bottom of, of something? Instead, has it just become an acrimonious? Uh, WWF wrestling match or something like that. Well, I certainly hope not. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it, I think there always is going to be a real element to it. WWF. You have people who work for the same. I don't know. I'm just assuming, but I think they all work for the same Do they? company. I don't know. It, oh, I don't it really is. Watch. I, I know. I thought I know they were much. real. <laughs> I know. It's funny that you started that sentence with real and then started talking about the WWE. Well, but... no, what, I, what I'm trying to say is the debate. You have two competing. Armies yes. of advisors, and and so you're always going to have some kind of an actual conflict. War. Yeah, and so in, in that regard, I don't think it'll ever become quite as fake as fake wrestling. Okay, well, anyway, no matter which side you're on, we want to know. And and if you'd love to weigh in on this too, if you'd like to be part of the debate, we do have a way for you to call eight zero one four two two zero one four three. And love to hear what you think, too. But uh, we, we're going to have some experts in here, some people that can maybe help us understand a little bit more of the rules of, of debate. I understand we even have an actual copy of the agreement that both President Obama and Governor Romney signed when they agreed to do the debates. So, Morning Show that, found it. Did they? It's fact. Credit to the Morning Show. Okay. It's, it's a stack of papers. I mean, yeah. it's not— I. Uh, it's not know, just said, be nice. Well, they said, hey, do you want to see the 13 or so things they agreed to? I thought, yeah, sure. I figured it would be a little two-page thing. Yeah. Number one, number two. No, this is – it looks like a This is a full writer. document. And then is it, you is it, well, then you remembered you were dealing with the government and, you know, 13 things can be a lot more no, than I'm 13. No, I'm dealing with the Commission on Presidential oh, Debates. Okay. Oh. So is this is this kind of like a, a writer that has – there are only blue and red M&Ms in the candy jars? Is it that type of rock and roll – you know, type thing, or do they get that detailed in this? They get pretty detailed. Uh, we can talk about it coming up a little bit. I've okay. got the, I don't have the agreement handy. Okay. I'm in the other room, but it has, I mean, makeup. Who provides the makeup for the candidate? They wear makeup. That's in there. Well, uh, they learn Presidential from, candidates uh, wear makeup. Uh, Mr. Nixon, that uh, makeup's a good idea. Yeah, that's true. It's TV. Were it on radio, they wouldn't have to have that clause, but uh, anyway, that's that's my own radio pitch. Now, what's happening in the news? Do we before we get into the meat uh, of the of the day? Don't we uh, kind of talk about what's happening uh, around the uh, uh, what around the world, around the globe? How about uh, let's see, what should we talk about? Well, uh, I got one that's that's pretty cool. the uh, The Cuban government has uh, revised their laws about 
travel and visas how long people uh, how long people can stay in other country or their citizens can stay in other countries Cubans can stay in other places Cubans yes okay. um and what's really cool about this is they were super strict about stuff and now they're kind of relaxing on it it's kind really? of uh kind of a you know post castro kind of how things are looking how things are okay well maybe this will be you know, a bit different. It'll, you know, uh, that's hopeful then. Yeah. And so these people can reunite these people who have, you know, been scattered all over the place. And... So before it says that they had to have a visa just to leave their country. Right. And yes. now they don't even need to have a visa, but they, they need to have a passport, a visa to enter the new country, but they don't need to have a visa to leave their own country now. Yes. I always figured you just needed a boat to leave a country, but mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> no, Rob, well, that's that's good news, though, isn't it? I mean, this is, and we're we're talking fifty years after the Cuban Cuban Missile Crisis here, which is like this this week. Is that right? Uh, we we've got uh, you know looking back fifty years ago when John F. Kennedy saw the missiles coming, and and we were on on the the verge of nuclear war. Well, I didn't know that was uh, fifty years ago. Yes, this, it was nineteen sixty two, October fifteenth was when the the, the first. Uh, Photos of those big Russian missiles, the nuclear missiles, were were we we shot pictures of those actually being loaded and uh, and and put into place in Cuba. So I, I think you know, fifty years later, that the fact that we're actually starting to thaw things out a little bit, that, that's not a bad thing, yeah. A little less scary time to live in Miami. Yeah, a little bit. And it, it was it, it was again my my young Padawans. Uh, this was something that if you lived in those times in the '60s, you're hearing about this. These were the days when, in the middle of school, you would have a bomb drill, where you would have you know suddenly like you get a fire drill these days. You would have the drill where you. Uh, the bell rings and you go hide under desks or you go outside down and find the bomb shelter and get down in that next to the cracker barrels and things like that and, and you know, await the fallout type. It was Those were scary times. It's, we really believed that the Russians at some point at the right provocation were going to start launching missiles. So to hear that they were on the shores of Cuba so that now they weren't just going to come from across way across the ocean and, and we'd have time to react – they were right there, and they were going to get every part of the country covered with, with that particular missile base. So it got scarier. Those fallout shelters in the school were always a joke by the time. Uh, <laughs> you, you guys I saw I think the, I only spent yeah. a couple year, year or two in school before the uh, fall of, you know. Fall the, of the fallout? Fall of the fall. <laughs> yeah. But I remember one time they, was, they turned it into a desk storage. Did they? they? go down and. Get a desk out of desks. You want desk to protect storage. those desks, you know, from any kind of disasters. Yeah. So the students upstairs, we we might have been gone, but the, <laughs> but the desks were will remain safe and sound. Yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm very glad that those days do not you know are not still with us. That we have debates to worry about instead of uh, nuclear missiles coming at us. But uh, anyway, long way around the fact that uh, Cuba looks like they're warming things up, possibly that making it a little easier to travel. We can hope. Yeah. Not to uh, take a deep topic deeper, yes. but this is pretty serious. Do you remember a McDonald's sandwich called the McJordan? The McJordan. You oh, yeah. know it. <laughs> yeah. I think it came Today's out. I was Michael Jordan? I was probably about five when it came yeah. out. But it was, uh, yeah, it was a tribute to Michael Jordan, 1990 or so, right? You know, he was big with the, the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. They had a promotion. The McJordan burger was a special kind. It was a burger with a special kind of... McJordan sauce. Yeah, yeah. And some 
smart employee decided to buy a container of the sauce. And he has kept it in his garage for, I don't know, what's it been, 21, 22 years? 22-year-old sandwich sauce. Mm-mm. Delicious. He's, so he's been slowly selling his McDonald's memorabilia from the time he worked there. Okay. And decided uh, it was time to sell the McJordan sauce. So he put it up on eBay just to see where it would go. You know, yeah, because he was finding some of the stuff would sell – and he could make quite a bit of money, yeah, two, three, four hundred dollars. Some of those little Happy Meal toys and things, they really go for a pretty good price. Yeah, people get sentimental about it. But a lot of stuff just kind of flops. You, know, you get five, ten bucks for it. Mm-hmm. He sold his sauce for $9,995 to $9, some guy in Chicago. Bucks. Really? Yeah, some uh, must be a big uh, – he didn't know too much about the guy who purchased it. But he says, well, he's got to be a Bulls fan be, you know, to spend that much Definitely. on it, be, being from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so they, uh, the TV station was asking him, well, what do you, what do you think the guy's going to do with it? Yeah. He says, well, I don't know. I, it's up to him. I, I, being a Michael Jordan fan, I hope he's not going to put it on his ribs. <laughs> <laughs> but it, We're having a barbecue. Look what <laughs> I found. Here, open this up. It's got to be so crystallized. <laughs> that seems like a human rights violation to serve that to people. Uh, yeah, it would, I'm sure, not quite have the same flavor. No. That is 9000 bucks for Michael Jordan sauce from McDonald's. Delicious. Yeah. Well, that just goes to show that uh, the times change. That The older we get, the uh, the wiser we get. No. No, that's not. You're saying that's some not young guy who spent nine thousand dollars on sauce <laughs> is not very wise, but we uh, that could be debated, and and that's what we're talking about. Is uh, the, the presidential debates have uh, well, they progressed to a certain point. We want to talk about how they have been conducted and whether that's the most effective way to do it. Not that we know, not that we can change anything, but it's fun to talk about. And we are in for the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Don Shaline in for Matt. And we'll be right back after this on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. A 27-year-long race through the human bloodstream may be approaching a big finish for the prize of a host of cures. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Dan Carter started exploring processes of protein crystal growth in space at NASA Marshall Space Flight Center in 1985. Over the years, his NASA research led to key discoveries on the structure of a major protein found in human blood plasma called albumin. Carter licensed the research from NASA and formed his own company to develop that knowledge into improved chemotherapy drugs. You see, human serum albumin helps transport substances through your blood, but it's also known to absorb portions of drug treatments and make them less effective. By understanding details of the albumin crystals, researchers can tailor drug molecules to be safer and more effective as they interact with albumin. Carter's company, New Century Pharmaceuticals, developed an extensive research database called KDEX, that helps scientists worldwide in shaping molecules to fix diseases in more than two dozen categories, including cancers and autoimmune disorders. Albumin is also a component of healthy young skin. And as a side project to their goal of stamping out major diseases, Carter's company is also using their knowledge to engineer a cosmetic wrinkle treatment that restores albumin. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. 
What song changed my life? There are a lot of songs that have changed my life. It's a totally brutal question to try and answer. Every musician has that one song that changed their life. Join Tony Award winner Lea Salonga, American Idol finalist Brooke White, and more of your favorite artists as they explore their lives before and after they heard that one song that changed everything. Watch The Song That Changed My Life, Monday nights at 7.30 on BYU-TV. And we're back here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Don Shaline in for Matt Townsend, Wednesday afternoon. Hope you're having a great day today. Hope you are enjoying life and talking in a very civil, civilized and kind manner to anyone around you because you got a good show last night of how to talk in a little more testy manner and a way to <laughs> point fingers and to send a lot of innuendo and all kinds Don, of things. Don, when's the last time you checked your pension? Um, my pension? Because <laughs> mine's a lot smaller than yours. <laughs> I'd rather not talk about my pension right now. No, that you know. Actually, I believe they're not supposed to ask each other questions. So right away, you know, they're 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 jumping, they're in each other's space, in each other's face. Um, and you know, the thing that that is interesting to me is if you don't do that, if you actually are kind of cordial and and allow each other time to speak and the back and forth and all that, the general public will say you lost the debate. You totally didn't show up for the debate. You weren't there. You weren't even participating. You got to get in there. So where did that come from? You know, that, that it, how come we are in, in this mode that is uh, one that says if you're not in there violating time constraints and everything else that you're just not in the game? That's the same mentality, though. You got to run the yellow light because if you don't, the car behind you will and will crash into you. So uh-huh. it just, it's like, it's just, you know. what is this obeying the rules, man? <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm a real bad one to talk about this, too, because I'm one of the, like, infinitesimal point 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 oh oh one percent of people who believe that the speed limit, that the word limit means... Minimum? Limit? No, no, oh. no. I, I'm, oh. I'm on the other side, Bryce. Okay. I'm, Sorry. I'm, I'm, Was I'm, I projecting I'm, on that one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bryce, how about you, bud? I, I'm the guy that says, okay, so... Um, if the speed limit says that speed limit is uh, 65, that means that I could go 64 maybe. But, boy, if I hit 60, 65, that's the limit. Okay. You're shaking hands with danger there. Yeah, I know. You know, that's that. you wouldn't believe how few people drive 65 when it says 65. You wouldn't believe because you guys don't do because that. Because all I can tell, I can so tell in this room <laughs> that you guys don't but, do that. But they're always off in, like, the wrong direction. <laughs> it's not – we say that, but it's never in the direction we want it to well, be and in. The, the, the tires wear down, you know, and so yeah. as the tires so get that's thinner, really, yeah. it looks like the number's higher than it actually yeah. is. But that's not true anymore once I get my new tires next month. But – but for this month, that's absolutely true. I think 71 is 65. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Now, I know we're kind of going off topic here a little bit, but I used to be of the same persuasion as you guys. And I totally did believe that. I thought, oh, my speedometer is, uh, no, no, what are you talking about? Hey, look, you know, and I got pulled over for speeding once, and I challenged the officer and said, I was never, no, I was, I was going, my speedometer must be, I was never going, you know, whatever. So he took me out and he did his little radar thing on me. We we went the whole distance and tested me. It's a very it's a very patient cop. It was up and I find him. It's a small town. He had nothing else to do. Okay, 
Then he gave me the ticket. <laughs> so uh, anyway, the, what, what we're talking about is civility. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think these things happen early on in life where we learn different ways of dealing with other people and things like that. But uh, we're going to delve back into the psyche of some of the, the actual the, the afternoon crew here. But I think we ought to first go to the man who has helped define the rant, and, and that would be Bryce Tobin. The Bryce is right. Bryce, we want to go behind the scenes. When you, when you come up with one of these Bryce is right segments, you, really, you, you help us understand how to really get that anger and angst out. It's Where pow- does this come from? It's just pure uh, inner uh, rage that it all just <laughs> comes it? from. That's this is not a put on thing. We're talking. <laughs> it's completely real and completely accurate I'm every gonna, time. I'm going to back away from this man a little bit. <laughs> Tell us about it, Bryce. Sit down. This is I, I'm totally unqualified. Matt is a doctor. Me, I just want to know where this comes from. Well, it's. I think there's all sorts of ways to to convey a message, yeah. but. You know, you can convey a message and then you could throw a message at someone. And so I I find that uh, throwing a message at someone is sometimes maybe a little more effective at getting it right in their face instead of, you know. But you're telling us uh, catapulting the message works best. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I like that verb a lot the more. projectile message, huh? Mm-hmm. So so uh, if, you, if you just kind of say it, it's not going to stick. That's, that's what I've noticed. That's okay. something that... Uh, that I see happening a lot. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. I don't know who first said, don't ask how the sausage gets made, but whoever they were, they clearly didn't love sausage as much as I do. Mmm, can't you just smell that delicious pseudo-meat product? So whether you want to or not, I'm going to give you a peek behind the curtain and show you how the sausage gets made, or rather, what goes into these rants. But we don't just make these because we can. The idea is to get a message out there. So what's the process? Well, the first thing I do is make sure it's a topic that I care about. Just like any relationship, if you lack passion, things will start falling apart. And I also always use legitimate facts. It's up to me to mess with the interpretation of these facts, but they have got to stay legitimate. So then why do I skew the interpretation? Well, I've got two reasons. The first is that it doesn't matter who is talking, everyone is skewing data. So everyone needs to get off their high horse when it comes to objectivity, because it's not achievable. Sorry, but I'm really not sorry about that. The second is that throughout the creation of these rants, I've also learned that hyperbole is my best friend. It's fun and it's a little neural tag that helps you remember some of this stuff. And to create these hyperboles, I've got to skew things a little. But the most important thing is to polarize. Even if I don't agree with what side I decide to sit on, I always pick a side. And when I pick a side, I go as extreme as I can into that side, so I can play devil's advocate. The real world is very in the middle about things. And that's fine, but that's boring. And most of the time we're there, but we don't really know why we're there. So when I go extreme on an issue and you think, this schlub is full of prunes, what does he even know? That's kind of the idea. But the next part is always up to the guests. Sounds like I have everything down to a science right? Well, things aren't always honky-dory in the kingdom. There is the rare occasion that guests don't pick up on what I'm getting at. My hope is, once I've yanked our thoughts all the way to one side or the other, you'll be pretty sure that I'm wrong. Well, yeah, you can say that, but you have got to tell me why it's not correct. And then as you do that, the guest will take us on a little journey filled with learning and growth as we make our way back towards the middle where the real world is. Generally, the experts we bring on pick up on this and things go smoothly. Then again, when they don't, they walk away thinking I'm just one big bag of awfulness. And they don't always take us on the educational 
emotional journey back to the middle, and then boy do I feel sheepish. But it's all about getting a message out there, whether it be politics or lectures. People employ strategies like this because just saying something never seems to do the trick. I don't know what it is, but it happens to me all the time. When you just drop information on me, I'm going to forget all of it. So for your benefit, we're developing things like my rants to convey information to you in a memorable way. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. You know, I, I feel so much better now. I feel warm and cuddly about Bryce ranting at me because I know the real reason that you care about me. You, you want me to have this good information. Yeah, you're not ranting at us. You're ranting with, with us. us. <laughs> with us. Yes. So Machiavelli, does he ring a bell with you? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> We can pound them over the head because it's, it's good for them eventually. It's, that's it's a, all that's about a brand power. of chocolate, right? Yeah, right. It is. Yeah, Machiavelli <laughs> hot chocolate. Ah, mm. uh, yes. Well, uh, Bryce, so so this is a public service then that you do, and we are all much the wiser for it. Um, do you ever find that there's something that you are not feeling passionate about and you just have to invent it? There are a f- – well, I don't want to, you know – it's, you know, if this is a look behind the curtain, okay, uh, come every, on, come every on. now and then we'll have a topic for the show that I won't have a lot of experience in. So I will have not, I, I'm yet to really form an opinion or feelings about it, especially some of the things that Matt talks about that don't really apply to my life right now, like kids don't have them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, How best spoil your grandchildren. <laughs> right. <laughs> just going to say, just going to throw it out there. I don't have a lot of feelings on spoiling my grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes I have to... Uh, Speaking as a grandchild, <laughs> I think it's great. It's, it's, exactly. Uh, you, can, you can take that approach, yeah. I mean, bias is fine for what I do, uh, but it's, it's hard to feel passionate about that because it doesn't really yeah. apply to me. Well, you know, that's, which is totally normal. You, we don't have yeah. every experience in everything. And so there's times that I have, to, I have to look up stuff. I have to do a little bit of research and figure out uh, what's a direction to take on this that will will rub people the wrong way that will <laughs> that, that will bother people because do, do they have a category of for that in Google or something how to rub people the wrong <laughs> how way to, in various how to topics make people angry yeah no it's you got to look for it surprisingly mm-hmm. uh, you have to look a lot for it to find usually I have to find something that's crazy that's really what I got to do yeah. Well, Bryce, you do it so well that obviously you have mastered that technique. Now, somebody like uh, like Rob, you had to develop your your ability oh, yeah. to um, well, uh, to to counter against uh, you know arguments and things like that. I mean, is this especially uh, politics? Yeah, because well, have you always been a, a political guy? Well, I just grew up in a family where we argued about. Uh, Everything. Everything? It comes, it comes from my dad. <laughs> Families my dad, my, argue? My mom's a very peaceable yeah. person, but, but, but my dad. He's well, the argument. Well, it's that old German, you know, his German ancestry. That's wrong. No matter what We need what to tell is. somebody about that, you know. <laughs> and so I took, take, took that to school with me, you know. Okay. 15 years old, I'm in high school, and there's a pres- presidential election going on. And I'm not even a registered voter yet, and I'm badgering all my friends. Oh, no, no, this is great. This... And I remember I finally got it to the point. Where a buddy of mine, I had been badgering for like two or three weeks. I mean, I think the presidential debates were on. And uh, and here's this kid just wanting to get his homework done or something. He has no idea what's even going on in the political world. Yeah, Algebra 2 class. Yeah. We didn't get any homework done. We, you know, okay, pair off with a friend to do your homework. And you, you just shot okay, the so breeze. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about tax cuts <laughs> and I'm going to tell you about – and he finally – he says, fine, you win. I don't care. 
I don't care. <laughs> and, and I realized, oh, he he doesn't I, care. I, I won, and it wasn't. It didn't feel that good then. I can see that that I, wasn't I, that satisfying. I, I feel bad that I won. <laughs> so, what happened? We well, have to go to you have to go to the middle. I I you know I grew up in a area that was very politically one way, and then I lived in a city for a couple of years that was very much politically the other way, and. And, and you realize, wow, these other people have the opposite political philosophy, and yet they're not idiots. Because you grow up with that mentality, like, yeah. oh, yeah, everybody else, they're, they're an idiot. You go, well, they're articulate. They make sense. They're, yeah, there's some nuts, but there's also some smart people, and there's some, you know. And so you come back realizing, oh, we really have about 75 to 80 percent in common, and we bicker about 20 percent. And of the 20 percent, we want to change 15 percent of it the same. We're just arguing about how to go about changing that 15 percent. And then there's five percent. That's irreconcilable differences, and that, those yeah. are the ones that it seems like we spend all our time talking about. That, that's right. So. so, Rob, I'd vote for you for president. Then, oh, I thank think, you, John. I think you're, you're ready to hit the debate trail. I'm <laughs> Rob Sanders, and I approve this message. <laughs> well, that's what we're talking today: is civility is civility dead, and are the debates an effective way to uh, to get a point across, or are they just a way to be rancorous. It's a great excuse to go buy some delicious food to eat in front of your television. There we go. We will be back after the news. We're going to talk with an expert. We've got uh, more uh, debate topics coming in. So keep it right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Travel the musical road of American history on Highway 89 Scenic Byway. With music from talented musicians from BYU campus and across the globe, Highway 89 brings you the best performances from classical to jazz and folk to rock. Tune in for a musical journey with Highway 89 at 10 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A number of post-debate polls gave President Barack Obama a slight edge over the challenger Mitt Romney last night. But according to the latest Gallup poll numbers, the Republican is still leading among likely voters. Gallup's daily tracking poll showed Romney with a six-point lead today at 51 percent over the president's 45 percent, which continued the October trends of a Romney lead. Prior to the first debate, the GOP candidate was lagging in the polls, but his strong performance then has been a catalyst in changing the momentum of the race. Despite the lead among likely voters, the two candidates remain largely tied in many other prominent national opinion polls. A Florida judge has sent a tentative court date for George Zimmerman's second-degree murder trial. The former neighborhood watch captain is facing the the charges for killing unarmed teen Trayvon Martin earlier this year, which Zimmerman claims was in self-defense. For now, the trial is scheduled for June 10th of next year, but Zimmerman's lawyers say they will try to get the charges dismissed based on the state's stand-your-ground laws in April or May. Another preliminary hearing will take place on Friday to decide if more evidence in the case should be released, including Martin's school and social media records that have been requested by the defense. 
federal agents raided the facilities of the New England Compacting Company, which has been blamed for producing the tainted steroid, causing the deadly meningitis outbreak, which now has claimed 19 lives. The raid came as part of a larger probe into the pharmaceutical company, which investigators say may have broken federal laws regarding a controlled substance. Nearly 250 people are now infected with the rare fungal disease, and experts say the end is nowhere in sight. Up to 14,000 people may have been treated with the culprit steroid, which was intended as a relief for severe back pain. With same-sex marriage initiatives on the ballot for the November 6th election in three states, polls are suggesting that voters are warming up to the idea, but some groups are skeptical. Groups supporting the legalization of same-sex unions are worried that people who oppose the measures or are undecided are not voicing their opinions in the polls, leading one spokesperson to suspect that all three initiatives will face very close races. There is a possibility that this November could mark the first time a popular vote has legalized same-sex marriage. Currently, the six states and the District of Columbia that recognize the unions have all done so based on legislative action or decisions made in court. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. We're back here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Don Shaline in for Matt Townsend. And, you know, we uh, have been following these debates. We just had the third presidential debate. Well, of course, well, technically two presidential debates so far, one vice presidential debate. And uh, if, Rob, if we, if we can, could we play just a little bit of, uh, of one of these, you know, just part of one of these debates, just to get the flavor for the civility, the the congeniality that existed in, in the, the midst of one of these debates. What do you got Let for me us? mention something else the president said. It was a moment ago, and I didn't get a chance to, uh, when he was describing uh, Chinese investments and so forth. Candy, hold Let on me, a second. Mr. President, I'm still speaking. I'm sorry. Mr. President, why don't you let me finish? I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. The president made it short. See all these people? They've been waiting yeah. for you. Could you Just make, make a point. And then... Any investments I have over the last eight years have been managed by a blind trust. And I understand they do include investments outside the United States, including in Chinese companies. Mr. President, have you looked at your pension? Have you looked at your pension? I've got to say. Uh, Mr. Pen- President, have you looked at your pension? You know, I, I don't look at my pension. It's not as big as yours, so it doesn't well, take let as long. Well, let me give you some. Let me give, let me give you some advice. I don't check it that often. Let me give you some advice. Look at your pension. You also have investments in Chinese companies. Yeah. You also have investments outside the United States. Yeah. You also have investments through a Cayman's right. Trust. We're, okay. way, we're right. sort of way so, off topic. So, Mr. Here, Governor President, Governor we're, we're, we're a little so off topic. Here. Completely yeah. off the immigration. I thought we were talking about immigration. And we, yeah, I came back to what you spoke about before. I want to make sure. If I could have you sit down, Governor Romney. Thank you. I do want to make sure that we just understand something. Uh, have you sit down? You know, it is okay. I, I've got to go to an expert right now because we, we've got with us Dane Allred, who uh, has taught high school debate, who uh, is a uh, an instructor in, in public speaking here at BYU. Uh, he's uh, he's he's taught people how to do this correctly. Dane, first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, I, I, we we wanted you to come by and tell us these debates we've been seeing. How close are they to really following the basic rules of debate? Well, I, I think what we just heard was uh, from a famous Paul Newman line in uh, 
one of the movies he was in. What we've got here is a failure to communicate. Uh-huh. <laughs> it uh, sounded d- like it, Debate it? is really not like that. It's interesting to hear people pretend to debate, and they're really not following the rules like you talked about earlier. Well, that if, if I understand it right, first of all, one of the rules of this particular debate was you couldn't ask each other questions. Yeah, directly talking to each other. I thought Candy Crowley did a really good job. Uh, she's been, I guess, harassed or hammered a little bit in the, in the media about how she did moderating, but I thought she did a, a great job. Yeah. That, yeah. What, what a tough job to, to be able to rein these guys in. And, and does it seem, it seems to me that, that somewhere along the line, somebody said, hey, in order to win a debate uh, in, in this arena, you have to break all the rules and badger. Yeah. I, I think uh, one of the rules I, I usually follow is uh, the first, first person to get angry loses. And so uh, in my high school and, and collegiate experience, uh, I've uh, debated in tournaments and have actually had to change the style I debated just because of who was listening. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's probably the main thing is uh, last night they were speaking for people who were undecided. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see the results after. But I did follow uh, an online analysis of tweets and how people were responding to what was being said. And it was interesting. Uh, again, most of the people who are tweeting and who knows what their liabilities of this website, but... They seem to think uh, President Obama did well most of the time, but there were times when Mitt Romney was doing better. So mm-hmm. it, it, I think I heard someone say that both parties will be pleased with how they yeah. did. I, I really, read that. Debates really don't change too many people's minds. Don't they? They've... Nah. If you go to maybe Nixon, Kennedy. And, and th- that was a huge moment, but that seemed more because suddenly television made a difference, yeah, right? Yeah. It wasn't even so much the debate as the fact that one of the people right. looked better than the other one on Richard TV. Richard Nixon is even one of the clues in the crossword puzzle today. Really? But it's because he came to the television not looking particularly rested or shaved. Yeah. And uh, again, he, he's uh, not as good looking as Jack Kennedy. Yeah. And that perception really came across. Same thing happens with Gerald Ford and President Carter mm-hmm. in their first debate. Carter comes across as someone who's quite serious. But then again, Ronald Reagan does the same thing to Carter in their presidential debates. But seriously, uh, I I think the results results of uh, investigations have shown that really the debates don't change people's minds too much. And I've listened to all of them so far. Uh, I really haven't changed my mind, but I have been impressed with the fact that they've been able to be mostly civil. Uh, it's it's been uglier before. Yeah, and it's it's true that uh, in history we have heard of some some much nastier uh, confrontations between political candidates. Uh, yeah. You know, they they still have some level of civility. That it is true. Well, now you you say it doesn't change people's minds yet. What what happened on that after that first debate when suddenly Romney was getting this big surge yeah. in the polls? Is yeah, that- that there was a big change there because of how President uh, Obama actually responded during those debates. And it did change the polls, but again, that's because there are people who are undecided. Okay. The people who have decided already, they didn't really change their mind. But people who are on the fence were like, wow, that president looks like he's got oxygen depletion or altitude sickness, which is one of the excuses they used and said, well, President Obama is not used to this altitude and uh, Mitt Romney has been campaigning there. And who knows what's going on? Uh, I thought the debates went better last night for President Obama and... Who knows what's going to happen next Monday? You just yeah. never really know. Final one coming up Monday night. Yeah. What, would As a debate coach, as someone who could maybe give some tips on debating, would you, uh, would you give either of them tips on how to, how to have done a better job? Well, 
I think probably my proudest moment is uh, someone that I used to teach is uh, now the president of a local university. Matt Holland was one of my former debate oh, students. Yeah. And okay. what a personable young man. Just just an impressive, impressive person. Very honest, very straightforward. And I think that's probably what most people want to hear in their leader, in their speaker. If they're uh, having some kind of debate, they want someone who's honest, straightforward. And Matt's a really good example of this. Uh, I was in a production of at Sundance two years ago where I was playing the king in Big River. Oh, yeah. And uh, UVU helps sponsor the UVU theater up there. Utah Valley University. Utah Valley University. University where Matt, Matt is Holland the is the president. And yeah. he used to teach American heritage here, I guess, at BYU. But it, the rumor was that he was not going to be able to come up that night. Mm-hmm. And he had reserved meals for 30 people. So, of course, the actors heard this. And when they asked us if we wanted to eat, we said yes. <laughs> Lined up first. Starving actors? Is and that then, the, the, yes, the correlation all starving yeah. actors. And, and I'm about halfway through my meal and Matt Holland shows up. And I have to go over to him because I know him. And I told him, Matt, I think I'm eating your dinner. <laughs> and Hope you weren't hungry. There's a couple of ways he could respond to that. You know, give me my dinner. He was just very friendly, very outgoing, very nice, uh, basically very complimentary to me, even though I've just done something to him that <laughs> yeah, somebody could get, get angry about. Right? I've eaten his dinner. And again, so there's the there's the key again. If I don't get angry, I'm probably not going to lose. And I, I think that was interesting last night. You, you, you saw definitely saw some anger happen, but but there are different interpretations of uh, of what that anger meant. Was it righteous anger, you yeah. know, indignation, or was it just uh, getting out of control? Well, and I, I like the fact that you brought up Machiavelli early because uh, Machiavelli is not all about doing bad things. He's doing about doing wise things. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have somebody powerful on your side, you know, do you, how do you cultivate that? And again, the example I used earlier, uh, I actually <laughs> in a tournament that we won at. Um, Grand Junction, Colorado, when I was in college, uh, I do have to admit, I debated for the University of Utah and usually got stomped by BYU. Did you? Well, oh, yes. darn they, it. They See, beat there us you every go. Time. That's what I'm happens not, when you go against BYU. I'm not holding a grudge because I've, I've taught public <laughs> speaking here now for 15 years. Okay. So we've, we've raised some You've good speakers. Yourself. I have. Yeah. But uh, this was such a small tournament that uh, the actual last two rounds were, were myself and my partner and another team. We had to debate twice. We had to beat them once, and then we had to beat them again. And the funny thing is, if you think about this, the the second to the last debate was with regular debate judges. They knew exactly what was going on. And I can't really call what we used to do back then communication because a lot of collegiate debaters, if they're doing policy debate, can speak 600 words a minute. Hmm. And I still have a problem speaking too fast. Wow. But the judges can understand it. And we can actually listen to each other and write down the sources and and actually research it later and find out if uh, what they were saying was true or not. So we won that round. Okay. Regular type debate. (laughs) The last round, they decided to involve three people from the community. One was the mayor of Grand Junction. So if I'm going to debate in front of the mayor of Grand Junction and two of the city council members, for example, I'm going to have to change how I debate. You can't do that. I cannot do what I just did. And it it totally flummoxed the other team. Uh, They were ready for us because we basically had to switch sides. We beat them the round before the final round. Then we had to switch sides, and we had just given them all the ammunition they needed to beat us. Oh, man. (laughs) And we slowed down. We, uh, We actually used some colloquialisms. I actually even remember calling... 
one of my opponents by his, his first name, much like you saw in the debates where yeah. they, they refer to each other. Yeah. And uh, I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but <laughs> I don't think we had something we could refute on one. And I just said, good old Howard has told us this is what it is. <laughs> and because I'm familiarizing myself with that and saying, you know, maybe we shouldn't trust Howard. Uh, we actually won that one, too. So Okay, so what you're telling me is that there are techniques to get under the skin yeah. of the opponent. There are things that you can do that maybe aren't so obvious, but still, right. the the object is to come out on top of that, yeah. that I, exchange. I think what most people don't understand when uh, we are always debating, if we try to um, convince our boss we need something, mm-hmm. that's a debate. Okay. So a lot of times they'll just need three or four points to tell them why you want something. And then I think what most people don't do is listen to what the other person is saying. So if you listen, uh, we're usually preparing what we want to say next. Oh. So if we can integrate what they say into our answer, then I think there's actually some real communication going on there. Well, well we, we often hear that listening is the missing ingredient. It really is. We yeah. do not listen enough. Yeah. Even in a debate, yep. even when we are trying to get the upper hand in the situation yeah. or whatever, if we well, really the will clip, listen. The clip you just played, I, I think it was brilliant. Um, have you checked your mm-hmm. retirement lately? And I, I know we probably are both invested in China, too. You probably are. <laughs> so, But we don't know that. <laughs> but uh, I think yeah. some of the lines like that last night where they basically interchanged some kind of uh, – emotion with each other. I think it's really, really valuable. Because they're listening. We are speaking with Dane Allred, a uh, debate coach and a public speaker, uh, an instructor of, of public speaking. We want to keep, keep you with us, uh, Dane, if you could, and we want to come back. And That'd be great. We even have a very uh, special uh, contribution that the broadcast industry can, can make to all of this debate topic. And we're going to test that out on our, our, uh, our listening audience. For the first time ever, we have a special technique we're holding speakers to their time. Very good. Okay. Coming back up on the Matt Townsend Show, I'm Don Shaline in for Matt here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A new recipe for thermoelectric materials is hot stuff for making power from heat that's normally wasted and much more. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Materials that can change electricity into heat and vice versa are called thermoelectrics. If your car has heated seats, you may be sitting on some thermoelectrics right now. A lot of research has been going into perfecting the heat into power side of how thermoelectrics work, and a new approach by scientists at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute holds the key to a massive jump in efficiency for this material. What RPI has done is to cook up a new recipe for making these substances from scratch. Instead of just crushing existing crystals, they grew their own. By combining the raw elements with a sulfur base, RPI's formula creates a nanoscale material with many more potentially loose electrons in it. Excite the material with heat, and these electrons flow. About 25% more than ever before. This new material may convert waste heat from your car exhaust into power for the radio, or end up in pocket-sized portable refrigerators or computer chip air conditioners. Heating or cooling jobs now done by machines may soon go solid state. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. 
get your business in the game and sponsor Cougar Sports on BYU Radio and BYU TV. For more information, call 801-422-1448 or email corporate support at byu.edu. Just one second, one because, s- because this is important. This is part of the choice in this election. The, qu- the when, question, when he was of asked, course, Mr. Is, President, was, was guns here, so I, I need to move us along. I understand. You know, the question was guns, so let me let but me. this will make a difference in, another... in terms of whether or not we can move this economy forward for these young people I understand. and reduce our violence. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, I want to ask Carol Goldberg. How, how, how hard would that be to be a debate moderator? Dane, is that uh, something that you would uh, aspire to be? No. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, even in uh, intercollegiate and high school debate, time is really a problem. Uh, we do have time signals and... Yeah. That's probably the hardest thing about public speaking is looking at your time and figuring, can I finish this thought? Well, and, and most of us can't. We, we can't. Huh? No. Now, you saw, I, I saw on TV, they, they had the little timer box back yep. there, and it I started it. to turn red as it got closer to yep. it. Now, we saw regularly that was totally being ignored. Right. Uh, it, do you think, were, were the debate planners actually serious about Wanting them to hold the two minutes? I think they were, weren't they? I think they they were. And actually, uh, the study of last night's debate, apparently uh, President Obama got quite a bit ahead in taking too much time. But but then by the time the debate was like two-thirds over, it had equaled back out. So again, uh, Candy Crowley, I just don't know how... You could make two people with such big egos mind. Wow. It's, uh, she, she actually did, did a pretty good you, job. Unless you had some kind of a, an implement to well, stop them. Well, we have that here at the BYU Radio Studios. We have available to them, if they would like to call us, we can, <laughs> we can actually help them out. Actually, every broadcaster in the world has this amazing way to end a debate quickly. It's called a microphone button, and we're going to demonstrate it right now. Uh, uh, Dane, if you want, we're going to go ahead and, and start a debate. You're, you're going to be way ahead of me on this, but I'll, I'll debate you anyway because Great. I, I have a lot of confidence in my debate skills. So we'll ask our, uh, our uh, debate moderator, uh, Candy Schuyler Hansen, <laughs> if, if uh, you go ahead and uh, start the timer. Uh, we're going to shorten it up a bit. We'll have 20 seconds each to, to state our claim. Great. Uh, you go ahead and start, and uh, then uh, we'll just see how you do it, keeping to your time, okay? So, Great. Dane? I'm actually really good at this. Okay. <laughs> I need to know what uh, claim we're going to be talking about. Is oh, there... um, let's see. Let's, uh, let's debate um, whether or not we should sell large sodas on the BYU campus. Oh, boy. This is going to be hard to do 20 seconds. Am I, am I already 20, running? You only get 20 seconds starting right now. Thank you. I've actually talked about this in my classes, and I'm really glad that they came out and said that caffeine on campus is acceptable because I have felt bad about bringing my caffeine on campus. I, I'm excited for the day when we get to buy it. Wow, that was under 20 seconds. Great job. Thank you. Do I Don, get my time now? Now, Don, you got your time. Uh, what I want to say is, first of all, that I am appalled at Mr. Allred uh, bringing up the, the topic of, of caffeine at all because uh, I think that uh, caffeine on campus uh, dates back to the days when, well, first of all, let me say this, that my policy on caffeine on campus has, has many different facets that I really want to cover. Sorry, Mr. Schlein, your time is up. Mr. Allred, if we go back to you. Yes, his microphone has turned off. So my big problem with, uh, it seems a double standard to me because I actually 
can buy Sprite, but I have to have it in a Coke cup. If you go on campus anywhere, <laughs> you can't get... Uh, Mr. Allred, your time is up. We'll go back to Mr. Shalon. So anyway, what I was going to say at first before I was cut off was... Anyway, you can see. That's, I, I think that's, that's, a very, that's a very effective way to do it, isn't it? Because there's nothing sillier than to be trying to talk off microphone you know, I, when your mic's off. I really want to hear the buzzer, too, because yeah. seriously, you can't talk through a buzzer. No, and that's true. They did both have microphones. So yeah. I was wondering, they should have had a sound technician. Just say, okay, you needed Skylar Hansen. At, at two Sorry. Minutes, <laughs> yeah, at two minutes, shut the mic off. Yeah. And, and they we will can't be hear done. you now. Yeah. You keep I, talking, but your mic's not on. No, I, I think that would have cured, cured, cured it right away. But anyway, that's my that's my high tech solution to timing problems in the debates. Um, but that, that really did seem to be the the, the thing they were trying to do was to uh, to to make a point way beyond the two minutes. That they right. felt like I can't do this in two minutes. I, I've got to say more. I've got to say more. I've got to say more. Well, and but, I but think, you you did well at keeping it within. Well, time. probably. Well, <laughs> I actually do teach um, some techniques on campus here about speaking for a certain amount of time. And it's interesting because I've done it so long. Because I taught debate for over 30 years, I, I can actually listen to somebody speak and tell you when one minute is up and not have to be looking at you a clock. <laughs> the human clock. It's sad because uh, sometimes I'm not looking at my clock and I look down and I say, that's 30 seconds and it is. Whoa. So... I have kind of been trained, and it's a sad, sad statement about uh, how the clock runs my life. Well, that's that's a handy skill. You might be able to make some money off that. <laughs> now, we're talking about debate, but so what's the application in, in real life? We have student producer Madison Allred, who has taken this topic on. She is uh, going to be telling us a little bit more about how to apply experiences in daily life and apply the debate skills to those. So let's hear from Madison Allred. Have you ever had a kid that you think to yourself, what were they thinking? Well, you might just want to put them into a high school debate team. It will definitely help them think through their arguments and decisions. The experience that I have had in debate has helped me a lot in my personal life. In high school, I was trained in the Lincoln-Douglas form of debate. For this type of debate, participants announce their opening statement for their side of the argument. Then, they rebut the opposing view and end with a closing statement. The main value that I gleaned from debating was listening to the person that you were speaking with. When you are listening to them, you can think of individual reasons or circumstances that refute their point of view. A major part of thinking through your opposing argument's points is paying attention to their logical fallacies. Logical fallacies are preconceptions that are thought to be true, but really are false. By being aware of these, you can make your own argument stronger. Also, if you cannot think of anything, it helps to see things from the other person's perspective and admit when they are right. Also, these stronger reasoning skills help you make better choices and be a smarter consumer. The practice of debating affects our lives so much today. If you master the art of debating, it will help you succeed in life. For example, debate skills can help you come to a positive compromise with your spouse. By seeing things from their point of view and getting your point across, there is a higher chance that the couple will be happy. It also allows you to channel your energy into a conversation without it becoming heated or anyone taking offense. Also, debating can help you in settings like a conversation with someone who has a different view from you. Think about it. For an example, if you are a hardcore Democrat, who is trying to talk to a diehard Republican about the environment. You may open with a statement just stating that because we live on Earth, 
we need to take care of the environment and cut down on the consumption of fossil fuels. The other person will state their view. You kind of refute their argument, say why you think they're wrong. Then they go and say why they think that you're wrong. But then you come to a conclusion and say, you know, I respect your views. But for me, because I want to take care of the environment, I will try to reduce the amount of fossil fuels that I produce with my daily activities. Debating skills also help you interview better. You are able to listen to the employer. Also, when you have the job, you can showcase your listening skills, and the employer is more likely to give you a raise or promotion if they feel like you are getting what they are saying. Overall, just learn how to debate. It really helps you out. And next time someone mentions that there might be a little bit of contention in the room, just smile and say that you are just debating. So when I say, "Nah, I know you are," but what am I? Yeah, is that not one of the the effective ways of of countering? Well, someone's argument. It's really interesting because I like the fact that she brings up logical fallacies because we all believe them. And because I have done so much with debating, I actually tell my public speaking classes, I know that I can find some place out there that supports my side, some piece of evidence, some piece of you will find research. Yeah. You can find something that supports either side. So really, I think it's interesting. The more we believe in something, the more amount of those kind of details we have in our head. So the uh, these rules and, and the, the Madison, our, our student uh, producer, was talking about uh, structure right. and actual rules of debate. Um, right. What what do those serve? Why, why rules? Well, I, I really like uh, Lincoln Douglas debate is a lot more communicative, if you want to say it that way, because they're actually speaking more like the, the debate we saw last night. They were the Lincoln Douglas. Yeah, right. It's funny if you think about it this way. Do you think? Either of those men changed each other's minds last night. No. Probably not. No, not at all. But they're not trying to change each other's minds. They're trying to right. change the minds of the undecided voters. Right. So it's interesting, I think, to listen to. And again, I wouldn't take anything anyone says too seriously because, I, again, I could find someplace somewhere that says exactly what I want. That, that would support what they're saying. Right. But, but what what it felt like they were trying to do was was to come up with concise, memorable Snippets of sentences oh, and those are practiced that that mm-hmm. would stick in your mind, and, right? And that's what they're trying to do, right? Exactly, they're trying practiced. to plant the the idea worm, right? That uh, will... in fact, those last two statements, uh, Mitt Romney's one hundred percent. I'm sure that was rehearsed. Mm-hmm. President Obama's forty seven percent. You know that's rehearsed. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you think of uh, something that's going to be a cogent point for your audience and make sure they listen and remember. But but again, what? Why uh, in, in debates, not this debate, not not the presidential debate, but just uh, debate classes or whatever, right. the rules, what, what, what function do they serve? Why well, rules? Well, it's just a structure so that uh, you can actually introduce an argument, then answer it, and then if it answers it correctly, the judge says, well, that's the one I believe. But then the reason policy debaters talk so fast is because then if you can get the preponderance of evidence, then you get to win. Okay. So, yeah, if I have more facts... I may get to win. Just by the sheer weight of that more facts, the the number of facts. It's really a strange thing. But the rules are really fun. And and again, uh, debate is something we do every day, Uh, especially with our spouses, significant others, our children. Uh, we tell them what they're not going to do, and we tell they tell us why they're going to, and the debate starts. Oh, and, and all the kids know how to do it, too. Oh, yes, they yeah. do. When, when we come back with you, we, if you could uh, stay with us just a little bit longer. You bet. Uh, Dane Allred, we, we uh, want to talk about what happens in real life and in our daily life when maybe these debates escalate out of control and we get into arguments and things like that. So stay with us. This is Don Shaline on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. We all know that managing our work and personal lives can be a difficult balancing act, as well as keeping track of our health and general well-being. Well, that's why Matt Townsend, life coach and counselor, is here to help. Join Matt for guidance and advice on how to maintain happy and healthy relationships by tuning into The Matt Townsend Show weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Spending on political advertisements between both the Obama and Romney campaigns and their supporters could hit $1 billion before the election in under three weeks. So far, $802 million have been spent between the two sides. Obama's campaign has spent $300 million directly, and when compared to Romney, the Romney camp's $164 million of direct spending, it seems like a lot. However, the Romney team has not needed to spend as much on ads because many of the nation's large financial backers are supporting the GOP candidate. Carl Rose has backed two pro-Romney groups that have spent $124 million on their own. World-famous cyclist Lance Armstrong has stepped down as the head of the Livestrong charity, which he founded. Excuse me. In a statement, he said he is trying to distance the cancer patient support organization from any negative fallout due to the doping controversy surrounding his cycling career. At the same time, Nike has announced that they have dropped Armstrong as one of their sponsored athletes. The company cited mounting evidence that he took part in performance-enhancing drugs during his successful career as the motivation behind the decision. The U.S. Anti-Doping Agency published a 1,000-page report of evidence against Armstrong last week, suggesting he was the ringleader of one of the most sophisticated doping rings the sports world has ever seen. The 14-year-old Pakistani girl who was shot in the head by a Taliban gunman for criticizing the extreme Islamist group has come out of her coma. Doctors say Malala Yousafzai has not yet, is not yet fully conscious but does seem to have feeling in all of her limbs and will likely recover without any permanent brain damage. She is receiving treatment from top combat injury doctors in the United Kingdom's military hospital. It will likely take months of treatment and rehabilitation before she fully recovers, but she has received support for her cause and wishes for recovery from around the world. Daily vitamins are another tool in helping decrease the risk of cancer, according to a new study funded by the National Institute of Health. On top of helping to keep bones strong and boost immune systems, experts now say daily vitamins could reduce the risk of developing cancer. The study followed 15,000 male doctors for over a decade, and those that were taking daily vitamins showed a roughly 8% less incident rate of cancer than those who took a, bl- a placebo. However, the study's lead author also warned that adding vitamins to your, to your routine will not take the place of more important factors like quitting smoking, eating healthy foods, and staying active. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. and all of the above strategies, and that's what we're going to do in the next four years. But that's not what you've done in the last four years. That's the problem. 
In the last four years, you cut permits and licenses on federal land and federal waters in half. Not true, Governor Romney. So how much did you cut them by? Not true. By how much did you cut them by then? Governor, we have actually produced more oil. No, no. How much did you cut licenses and permits on federal land and federal waters? Governor Romney, here's what we did. There were a whole bunch of oil companies. I had a question, and the question you, was, how much want, did you cut them you by? You want me to answer How much question? did you cut them I'm by? Ha- I'm happy to answer the question. All right, and it is? Here's what happened. You had a whole bunch of... Well, there we hear it again. This is uh, this is the debate that happened last night at uh, with the, the presidential debate, and we, we, we hear uh, topics being brought up. We hear a turn of a phrase that mm. each side can make can can make it true, right? It can yeah. be true depending on how you say it. And it's definitions. If you listen closely to that clip, uh, Mitt Romney's talking about federal uh-huh. drilling, uh-huh. and President Obama is def- uh, definitely ignoring the federal drilling part. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and so just just focusing on on one yeah. point. Yeah. While the uh, while and and that's Romney really not debate. That's it. just being argumentative. So seriously, okay. if they could meet in the middle someplace and say, well, maybe federal is down, but. Here's where, but again, then he's giving a point away. That, and that's yeah. the danger, right? Yeah. Be- because if they really did engage in a discussion, took right. some more time. Right. And we're uh, able to talk face-to-face. That's the, the yeah. strange thing about this kind of a debate is usually there's, even in Lincoln-Douglas debate that Madison talked about, there's a, a time for cross-examination, which is my favorite. I just love to be able to be in charge of the questions mm-hmm. because in a debate tournament, uh, there'll be a time where you get to cross-examine the other person. Uh, much like you'd do in a, a jury trial. Why don't they let them do that? Uh, I, I think wonder. it would be uh, too one-sided because, again, uh, in, in regular debate, one person questions during one period, and then the next time the next person questions. And I have a feeling it would just get too rancorous. Yeah. I bet you, I you, 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 you start be, picturing that, of yeah. them being able to really have their way with Well, the, and you, you heard a little bit of it right there. Yeah. Um, Mitt Romney was staying on the point. Uh-huh. Asking the question, I have a question, I have a question, I have a question. And again, that's really kind of how it goes in regular debate. They do hold them to the, to right. the question that was asked. Right. Uh, you actually have a, a format, uh, some some rules or kind of a, a flow chart of, of how uh, how a debate should go. Is that correct? Well, and actually, this is based on some study by uh, a gentleman named Monroe. Monroe's motivational sequence, I'm actually teaching this week for persuasive speeches, and I'm, I guess what I'm saying is if we want to be persuasive, we should probably go through the same steps that he said we used to get a used car sold to us. Okay. When they actually started studying how salesmen are able to close sales, uh, they went through five basic steps. The first one is uh, getting the attention of the person. Uh, I can get your attention by having the car on the lot. Or I can get your attention by stating some kind of a, a statistic that will be shocking or some kind of a story that will engage you. Now, again, this is talking about getting the attention of the other person, person you're debating? you want to, want to persuade, or, somebody you want to or persuade. Or someone you want to persuade. And you right. heard some of these last night. Uh, they were getting attention by naming individuals. Mm-hmm. So this is a person. Yeah. So that's an attention step. Uh, the next thing uh, most people do is they raise your concern. And that means here's why it's a problem. You need to be concerned about this. This is something we need to solve. So it's kind of like a problem-solution outline. If there weren't a problem, there would be no reason yeah, for Yeah, here's why we should be yeah. concerned. And then the very next step, again, is here's how we satisfy that concern. Uh-huh. So you go through attention, concern, satisfaction. And then I think both candidates are really good at this. And if you can become this kind of a person in your communication, if you can help people visualize what that solution looks like, mm-hmm. that's the step. And in used car language, it sounds like this. I can see you in that car. 
Sit down in this car. I, I can they, see They you love that moment, don't they? Driving when, down the street. I can you visualize have, I can see the that. girls looking at you. Yeah, there we go. Oh, you would be uh, you would be yeah. something in this car. And, but don't they love to get you in that car to smell the new car right. smell even? Right. So that's that's all of the that's whole all the visualization. Huh? And so when, once that happens, once I can visualize something, I I can imagine it. Then I'm pretty much sold. the The final step is just have a response. I just have to call you to action. I it, have to ask you to sign the dotted line or the call to action. Yeah. Which I noticed in the first debate, I think it was the first debate that Romney did the call to action. Yes. Last night it was Obama doing the call yes, to action. Yes, yes, yes. I think uh, President Obama in the first one was very muddled. Yeah. And uh, last night, because he got to speak last, I think yeah. that really that's, is a that's definite part of advantage. It, isn't it? it yeah, really speaking is. Speaking last, I guess is. And yeah. yeah, when I debated. Uh, if you're speaking for a, a proposition, you get to speak first and last. Hmm. So there's kind of a bias against someone speaking against the proposition. Sure. So that, that's a hard thing. And and again, if if you're attacking, Mitt Romney is basically trying to attack a record. Mm-hmm. And if uh, the president gets to respond every time, he can always go ahead and answer what the question is. So again, I, I don't think it changes people's minds. But if we're going to use these kind of debating skills in our lives – we probably should think about what does that other person want that I can help them get to, and that's really that's that's the the root of it, isn't it? Right. And as as we look at applying debate in our own lives, uh, and we don't call it debate, we call it persuasion. Yeah, we we're persuading it, our boss that yeah. this is what needs to happen. We're persuading our coworkers this is how we should do it. We're persuading people who work for us. Well, if, if you would, Dane yeah. Allred, by the way, is who we're talking with here, debate uh, teacher and, and public speaking instructor here at BYU. Uh, walk us through that same type of a process now in our daily life, in, in, in an interaction, say, with a spouse or a boss or somebody like that, somebody that we want to, to convince to, uh, to see our point of view. Can you mm-hmm. apply those same the Monroe principles there? Yeah. Uh, Monroe's motivated sequence really does work for everything if— uh, you have a piece of equipment, for example, that needs to be replaced. Uh, you go to your boss to talk about it. You know, this thing is not working. Yeah, this this I've called not your working. attention to it. Okay. Uh, what can we do? Do we have to replace it? Do we have to fix it? Can we repair it? So the concern step is we have to have this working. And, and maybe even saying, uh, bringing up some, some negative circumstance that right. might happen if it is not fixed. Right? I actually had an experience like this with uh, the soundboard I use at my uh, high school. I teach at Payson High School. Mm-hmm. Now, the light board was not working. And uh, it, it's interesting because you can inoculate the person you're trying to persuade a little bit by um, giving examples that are pretty extreme. And to replace our light board would have been five or $10,000. Mm-hmm. And so he's ready for a big expenditure. And he's talked to the district about that. And so his concern is definitely raised. I've seen this used effectively. <laughs> I know what you're talking about here. So, so if, if you've got if you've got a repair that you know is going to cost five six hundred dollars or something like right. that, and you walk in and go uh, talk about the, this broken piece of equipment and yep. saying, you know, and I do know, I I, I know that they cost five six thousand dollars. I know that that is <laughs> that's a concern. And and suddenly, bing, five six thousand dollars. No, we can't afford five six. Very 000. concerning. Yeah. And so and, when you then say, so I think we could do it for $500. Well, and think about this. Uh, we were actually able even to get this just repaired. And so it, at my school, you have to prepare a purchase order to get things mm-hmm. fixed. So I went and got the purchase order for $500, mm-hmm. went and got it repaired. It was $86. Oh, was it? And the principal <laughs> didn't want to pay for it yeah. until he found out it was $86. 
because he thought the district was going to have to pay 500. So there you so go. So he wanted them to pay, and he said to me, I'm glad to pay 86. <laughs> and had you just gone in instead saying, hey, I need 86 dollars to yeah. repair this board, it'd be I like, don't know. Ooh, yeah, the process is. Yeah, so tough. yeah, if you can raise people's concerns, I think that's really what communication is about is is getting you to the point where do we want to replace this piece? Do we want to repair it? And again, even in relationships, uh, you know, this is not working. What can we do to fix it? And then listening. It really is the interchange, which is important. Now, you can obviously abuse that. You can right. you can over-dramatize or you, right. can, uh, you can manipulate. We're not talking right. about manipulation. Yeah, and that's the Machiavellian yeah. uh, point of view we're talking about. Uh, he, he writes a famous book called The Prince where he basically says you should cultivate rich people as your friends and use them. But really, persuasion is not necessarily about what's in it for me, but really what's in it and it's best for everybody. Hmm. So we're trying to reach a consensus and maybe a, a better decision because if I say to you, we need this repaired, uh, you can say, oh, I have a friend who has one. There it is. We've saved $5,000. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, so you've talked about your process. I, I do have my own uh, process for, oh, I like for uh, uh, convincing people uh, you know, to see things my way. Uh, it was uh, it was formed by a doctor uh, Seuss, who um, uh, wrote Green Eggs and Ham, which which I actually I think is a great example of of how to convince somebody to to try something. It you is know, starts out with this guy saying uh, asking the question. Well, first of all, he, we find out that the the uh, the two people the, the the second of the two people does not like the first person for some unknown reason right but that must that, be a Republican and a Democrat that maybe so. that's what it is in Probably. fact this could be a good model for for <laughs> Obama and Romney so we know that one doesn't like the other but the one could say well do you like green eggs and ham though yeah which which I think is is kind of nice because he he ignores the fact he doesn't take that personal attack personally at all right says well hey I have something you might like. And goes through telling him all the ways he might like it, and the other guy going through all the ways saying, no, I don't like that. No, I, I don't want it that way. I don't want it this way. I don't want it. And the guy's persistent. This is Sam, by And the I way. think persistence is, is really the key. That's true, isn't it? I think it, persistence is the key. Sam being persistent, he stays with him. You might say he even wears him down. Yep. And, and uh, I never know the name of the other guy, by the way. He doesn't Sam, I am. Does. Well, no, I do Sam not like I, them. Sam, I am. Oh, Sam, I, I am is the I first guy. Know. That's yeah. true. I am Sam. Sam, I am. So the other guy is the nameless guy, nameless, who's rather grouchy, and oh. <laughs> and he at, at the uh, is finally worn down and says, "All right, listen. Uh, well, no, first of all, Sam, I am says try them, try them, and you may try them, and you may I say." See, I'm, I'm good at poetry here. Uh, and uh, the guy says, okay, uh, will you let me be? If I try them, will you let me? Will you leave me alone? Hmm. And the guy says, yeah. So he tries this scary-looking plate of green eggs and ham, and suddenly the lights go on. He says, I love these things. And he goes through all the list of all the ways that he would love to have them. It's excellent. Yeah. yeah. And, and and silly as that is, there is some, some truth to that, isn't there? The, the persistence, right. the, the not letting it get you down as you're talking about it, showing all the different ways that, that you can picture right. yourself with them. And ultimately, um, if, you, if you just try mm-hmm. it. Well, and, like and it. I think our big problem here is labeling. Uh, we heard it in the clip. Um, federal drilling mm-hmm. permits, mm-hmm. and Sam I am says green yeah. eggs and ham. Right away green. Oh, so, negative. That's why uh, would the I The label like is really interesting because I, I think last night in the debate they actually did talk about the um, – oh, is it the Promise Act? I'm trying to think of what it is. The, oh, the Dream Act? The Dream Act. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Which uh, originally, if you look at the studies uh, or how this was proposed, this was actually uh, a Republican proposal. But when President Obama 
decided he was in favor of it, the Republicans voted against it. Yeah. So it's interesting. When we put a label on something, we say, oh, this is a Republican idea until a Democrat adopts it. Well, now I don't like it. Now I don't like it. And it's really interesting. But the labels that we use, I think, is really what we need to pay attention to. Uh, there are some really interesting words we can use. And maybe that's what we need to be more skeptical about is not using those um, high potency words, especially if we're speaking with a spouse or children. Oh, that's that's the most important part, isn't it? We we talk about presidential debates, which are very important, but our relationships with our children, our spouse, those we dearly love, we we don't want to to hurt. We don't want to uh, to turn into an enemy or or things like that. So uh, these principles of debate, I think we uh, we need to take a, a final look. Maybe we'll do that here when we come back from the break, as a way to uh, to apply these things in constructive conversation and understanding with. Uh, with those we love. So we'll be back. I'm Don Schlein in for Matt Townsend, where our guest today is Dane Allred. And we will uh, come back to the debate here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. of flying at the speed of sound but what about flying at the speed of trees this is innovation now bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas emerging technologies and the people behind the concepts that shape the future it's a bit of complex math that birds can do on the fly as they weave a path through a forest a bird knows instinctively how fast it can fly around and between obstacles without running out of sky That's the skill that a team of Harvard and MIT scientists are trying to teach future robotic aircraft. It seems that there's a built-in speed limit for every bird that depends on the density of obstacles ahead. And, bird or bot, when you're too fast, even if you understand where every tree is, you just can't evade them all and splat. The Harvard scientists experiment with real birds like goshawks, mapping their responses to obstacles. The MIT half concentrates on emulating birds in hardware. So far, the team has developed mathematical models for the bird and the forest, and their next step is comparing the model's behavior to the real birds. Later, they'll also let humans try the same kinds of tests, tracking them as they fly a simulator game through varying densities of digital forests for science. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. BYU Radio is your home for BYU football coverage. And after each week's game, break down the action with Coach Mendenhall and Greg Rubel. I just simply believe even though our execution outmatched our opponent, I also think our competitive will and resiliency, we were at a different place as a team and a program than our opponent, and I think that ultimately overwhelmed or was one of the main reasons that we had a chance to, to play better from beginning to end. Don't miss BYU football with head coach Brock Mendenhall live this Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern time here on the home of Cougar Sports, Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Start your day right with Marcus Smith and the morning team. We're going to talk about um, just stuff, you know, lots of st- things that show up that, that once we're in your home and they go to somebody else's home and how do they get there? Maybe by way of a thrift store. Join in for conversation on current topics and events from around BYU campus and the world and get your morning talking. Tune into The Morning Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back. We are here on the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Don Shaline in for Matt Townsend. We're talking debates. We're uh, following up on last night's presidential debate here in America. These debates have uh, have been widely watched. They have been, uh, well, I, I think that says something, too, about the race in it itself, that, that people are still trying to decide who they're going to vote for, hoping to see some glimmer of, uh, uh, you know, something that will tell them, okay, now I support this person because they speak more for what I'm trying to decide trying to support. Um, but uh, as we've talked about this, I, I, I keep thinking, how can I apply what what these people are trying to communicate and, and ways people are trying to com- communicate? How can I apply that in my life so I can better communicate with those people that right. really matter to me? Well, and again, I've heard Matt talk about this before. And mm-hmm. uh, if you uh, talk with anyone who has any kind of a degree in psychology or, or psychological research, mm-hmm. reflexive listening is really what we should be doing with the people we care about. We don't need a 21-page outline of when that, we can talk. That's what the, the, the agreement between, yeah. uh, or, or that both Obama and Romney had to sign, right? Yes. They had to sign a 21-page agreement uh, in in order to get in these debates. So, yeah, we don't, do we? We, 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 no. can, just, we can just communicate. But reflexive listening, what, what is that? Well, and, and again, I think the, the main thing is if you're really listening, the best thing to do is to reflect back what you think you just heard. And you can even say it that way. What I think I hear you saying is we don't want to agree on the color and style of a backdrop for this argument. Hmm. We're going to – and then if it's correct, then the person will validate that. Now, what I – you know, I, I've heard this before, but I, I think what we have to be careful of is that it, that doesn't become manipulative. Because or patronizing. I, or patronizing. Yeah, I, I've had that done to me before. Right. And it's felt like that. It's felt like – you're doing that reflexive listening thing. I know what you're trying to do. Why does that not work? What 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 goes wrong when 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 that happens? I think it is the patronizing tone. Yeah. So again, you know, if you feel like, oh, well, you're just trying to psychologically manipulate me. Yeah, it's still manipulation, right? Yeah. It's still like I'm going to try and get you to do what I want you to do, but yeah. I'm going to make you feel a whole lot better about it. I'm going to talk nice and slow and in a low voice. Yeah, here's yeah. what I'm here's what I'm talking about. But again. Um, we're making fun of the 21 pages that they agreed on. Yeah. I'm guessing that the unwritten agreement that you have with a spouse or child is thousands of pages. Oh, yeah. Certain things you don't bring up, certain things you don't revisit, certain things we don't argue about, certain people we don't talk about. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. So, so, so what? What? Um, to 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 do it right then to re, to have this reflexive listening. It's really just about listening and it making is. sure we understand, right? right. It's, it's that old thing about— I think it's uh, clarification, too, yeah. Okay, that, that if if I'm trying to convince you of something, I can't just be there to convince you of something, but also be open to the fact that you just might convince me of something. Right. And that'll be okay. And it is mutual. I yeah. think uh, a good example of this is uh, my wife and I talking about the dishes. I do the dishes. Mm-hmm. She does the cooking. And that cool. way, neither of us go to the hospital. <laughs> You both are still in one piece. <laughs> yes, I'm a horrible, horrible cook, but I'm great, but you're great at doing at dishes. dishes. I, no, no, but that, that's a great thing because um, there are many who would I – mean, there are those who would say, hey, you know, I work hard all day. I'm at the office <laughs> all day, and I come home, and I give expect me a, my dinner. Give me a break. Give me a break. And uh, yeah, But, but, but this actually, conversation actually has happened with yeah. my wife and I. I'm concerned, she says to me, about some of the dishes that get broken. So this is how you do the dishes. If you could (laughs) be a little more careful, I know some dishes are going to get broken, and she she actually sometimes does and breaks them, and and she understands that. Uh, I do have a friend that is nice. That is a nice way to put it, isn't it? As opposed to what did you do? You broke a dish. That's my favorite dish. My uh, friend at work, his uh, favorite um, 
way that he gets out of the dishes is he says, if you break enough, you don't ever have to do the dishes. This is true. So there you go. Just break enough, and then you'll never have to do the dishes again. (laughs) Or you won't have any left. (laughs) So, But but that was was her way of of being kind about – because she had to bring up something unpleasant with you. Right, and I can reflect that back and say, your concern is that we have some nice stuff that I'm probably breaking. Maybe we shouldn't use the nice stuff when I'm doing the dishes. And uh, again, this is why I don't do the wash. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's tear it's, holes in the laundry. Ugly. Yeah, she's tired of pink clothes. Oh yeah, that happens, doesn't it? Yeah, you can't put all the clothes together, can you? <laughs> I'm, I'm <Right>. learning that <laughs> after this many years. <laughs> so, but uh, as as we talk with, well, okay, a harder topic. It's hard enough with a spouse, but a harder right. topic is with uh, children, especially teenage yeah. children, who are uh, often at a point in their lives where they're just trying mm-hmm. out new thought patterns and, and new ways of thinking and may at that moment feel like my parent totally is not yeah. on a wavelength that well, even and, under, can and, understand. And seriously, I think the Savior really gives us some good clues here on how to communicate. Okay. And the Sam I Am story is excellent because that's on a child's level something that they can understand. Mm-hmm. And so when we get into parables or the teachings of the Savior, he, he tells us a story sure. about why we want this to happen. And so maybe... When we communicate with our children, it's not so much a debate as uh, a learning experience. And we can say, you know, I remember when I thought I could mix rocket fuel in the garage mm-hmm. and I lit the garbage can on fire and had to take it outside. And that and what, what you're doing then is saying, hey, I understand. Yeah, I've done the same thing. <laughs> in fact, let's try it again because it was so fun then. Now, is there ever a danger of that? Well, I, I yeah. guess I, I'm thinking of that when, when I, I've tried sometimes with a, a child to say, hey, you know, when I was your age, hmm. they, they, the, the eyes roll back yeah, when I, I was your age or whatever. You, you were know. never my you age. You were never my age. <laughs> you were so old. Um, is there, but but you're saying that, that, that there is some value in that in helping them visualize a little bit yeah, more think, of what, think, what you're trying to, yeah. trying to say. There it is again, the visualization and being yeah. able to understand, you know, why does the grasshopper starve to death? Yeah. It's because he doesn't prepare, and the ant lives through the winter. So, yeah, is there a little bit of uh, room as well for uh, what would you call it? The the uh, meet, meeting them halfway or something mm-hmm. like that, as opposed to just standing mm-hmm. my ground and saying, "Hey, this yeah. is how it is done. I'm wanted this done done this way because I'm your dad." And that's yeah. I, I, well, one I, of my favorite parenting techniques. Uh, my kids have turned out great, but just because they're great, not because of what I've done. But mm-hmm. I love to let them but, choose. But their right own. there, that's a, that's a good yeah example. It's really not of, what I'm doing. Yeah, you, but. I love to let them choose their own punishment because, especially even in high school, I do the same thing. Kids will usually choose a, a much worse punishment than I would ever have given them. That's true. Huh? So they're a lot harder on themselves than, than we are, I think. And uh, you know, those are traumatic moments. We remember times when our parents have, have lost it. Yeah. But uh, even in you know cl- film classics, uh, I just finished watching It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey is not oh, sure. always calm. So No, that's true. <laughs> It, it's a wonderful father there that uh, actually loses his cool and yeah, yeah has some regrettable moments, but, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah. Kids turn out all right. In fact, I, there was some study I was just reading about that uh, uh, despite all we think about and despite singing Cats in the Cradle by Harry Chapin oh, and everything else, um, that we don't have as deep an effect as we thought we did. Yeah. That, you know, the, the I, kids turn out uh, the way they're going to turn out. Anyway. Yeah, I've told my children this too. I said... Uh, my definition of a good parent is if you're both alive when you turn 21. After that, you're in charge of yourself. So <laughs> yeah. I didn't do too much damage. You're still alive. You're still alive. Bill Cosby says, uh, I can kill you. I can make another one. So we don't want to do that. But <laughs> no, we don't. They're both alive. Well, you know what? If we can give that same advice then to these candidates, they haven't killed each other yet. They are uh, they are living to debate another day. 
And, uh, you know, if they can just uh, ask each other if they like green eggs and ham, I think that uh, that all will be well. <laughs> the debates will go all right. Dane, all right, it's been a lot of fun to have you Thanks. here. Thanks, Thank you very Thanks, much. Don. Dane is, of course, a, a debate coach and, and public speaking instructor at BYU. Teaches drama at Payson High School in Payson, Utah, by the way. Payson Lions. The Payson Lions. Go Lions. And uh, we, uh, again, uh, thank you for being with us here on the, the Matt Townsend Show. I appreciate uh, Matt uh, providing me the opportunity to come and sub for him. Hopefully you haven't done too much damage, but uh, Matt will be back next time. And uh, thank you for listening to us. We really enjoy you being here. Again, if you want to get in touch with us, it is mattchat at byu.edu, or you can call us anytime, 801-422-0143. Again, I'm Don Shaline for Matt Townsend, thanking you for being here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.